If you don't consider the idea of sustainability, it's not just that you were sloppy. It's not just that you weren't thinking strategically. I think it borders on foolish and even dangerous in some cases because you're giving false hope by promising or even maybe worse by delivering what you promised when it has no chance of sustainable success. Welcome to the Journey to Impact podcast, where we show you how to turn your unique passion into a strategy to change the world. Ed continues working through his series on the basics of impact from the book, Journey to Impact. Today, we're focusing on having an impact that's sustainable and catalytic. Ed discusses some organizations that are practicing these principles, and as a result, are able to do a lot of good in the areas they serve. It's time to get off the bench. Let's do this. Here's your host, Ed Gillentine. Hello, this is Ed Gellantine. Thank you for joining us on our eighth podcast in this series on the basics of impact, which is designed to go deeper into the ideas and principles in the book Journey to Impact, which was published earlier this year. We're in the middle of a couple of sessions that are centered around signs of success for impact organizations and impact practitioners. And we've talked about how important strategy is. We've talked about the importance of focus and measurability. And during this session, we're going to explore the idea of sustainability as well as what it means to have catalytic impact. So let's talk about sustainability first. And the idea of sustainability has become somewhat of a fad in recent years, so I think it's probably worth trying to define it for our purposes. Sustainability, in my mind, has two characteristics. One, it has the ability to be maintained or grown either its impact or its financial foundation. And number two, it does no harm to the stakeholders, that is to the environment, to people, to the economy, etc. So in my observation, there are very few areas of impact that don't have long-term needs. So planning for sustainability seems pretty obvious, but over the years I've also observed that a lot of people fail to think about sustainability. And I've seen the devastating effects on people in organizations when they have initial success. And a lot of times they have a lot of significant initial success and then they have to pull out due to sustainability issues. Did you know, and this is from research about 10 years ago, pure water wells in Africa have an average lifespan of less than two years. I mean, that's insane, don't you think? And there are plenty of reasons for it. They're expensive to maintain. They have ridiculous requirements that are put on them by the aid agency that installed them. There's lack of buy-in by the local community, lack of education, all those sorts of things. But at the end of the day, ridiculous amounts of money, time, energy that were spent on these wells were not sustainable. So think about if you lived maybe in rural Uganda and an aid group came in and dug a well and provided pure water for you and your children. And then a few weeks later, after they got everything set up and did a little bit of training with you, they left to go do another well, right? And then maybe six months later, the well starts breaking down, or maybe the training that they gave you wasn't extensive enough. And so you and your family are back to drinking contaminated water with all its resulting health issues, right? How would you feel? And I think, at least for me, that's sort of a picture that impresses on me the importance of sustainability. I can only imagine the number of schools, medical clinics, churches, those types of things that have been built all over the world 
that are in shambles in three to five years. And again, there's a million reasons for it, but many times it's simply because nobody thought about sustainability. And I would say this, even though we can't guarantee anything in this world, right? There's tons of things outside our control. I would say that if you don't consider the idea of sustainability, it's not just that you were sloppy. It's not just that you weren't thinking strategically. I think it borders on foolish and even dangerous in some cases because you're giving false hope by promising or even maybe worse, by delivering what you promised when it has no chance of sustainable success. By the way, here's a clue to sustainability. Ask the people you're trying to help what they think. Ask them what they need. Ask them how to make it sustainable. They live there, right? They're in the middle of it. They understand things you're never going to understand, particularly about the culture and the history of the location that you're working in. If you want to have true sustainability, ask the opinion of the people you're trying to help. In my experience, they know a heck of a lot more about the situation than you do. One of the reasons I love business as an instrument of impact is because I feel like it's inherently more sustainable than an NGO or what we would call a nonprofit in the U.S. Even small businesses can have an outside impact. So if you think about the DNA of a business, it should produce a good or a service, right, that brings value to the customer, while also providing the producer or the service provider with enough profit to pay their business expenses, pay their employees, and have some money left over to invest back into the business. If you think about what businesses provide. They provide purpose. They provide dignity, which, by the way, is something that we just gloss over and don't talk about much, but it's a huge deal. They provide purpose. They provide dignity. And they provide income for people to provide for their families. And a business also provides a balanced framework for having sustainable impact. So a lot of people will criticize businesses because, quote, all they focus on is making money. And I think there are many examples of that being true. Um, A lot of businesses are way too focused on the bottom line as opposed to all the other areas that they need to be balancing out. But that's a discussion for another day, an important discussion that hopefully we'll be able to have a little bit later. But for the most part, businesses need to make money so they can stay in business, pay their employees, pay their expenses, and keep providing their product or service. Making money is simply one of the metrics of whether or not the business is sustainable. Right. One of the metrics, obviously, let's say you make a widget. One of the metrics is, can you make the widget? Right. How many did you produce? You know, we hear a lot about Tesla trying to produce all these cars. Well, that's one metric. But what if they can't produce them and sell them where there's money left over at the end to pay for employees and loans and all that stuff? Right. I personally have never met a business manager or business owner who wakes up in the morning and says, I've got to have cash. My sole purpose in life is to have cash, right? Is to make a profit. It's because cash is just a metric. If you'll allow me this analogy, cash is just the blood that flows through the veins of a business. If you don't have cash, you're not going to be able to pay your people. You're not going to be able to do what you want to do. You're not going to be able to be sustainable. So think about an organization that I know that's in Addis Ababa in Ethiopia that works with trafficked women. Right? They teach them a job skill, in their cases, scarves, purses, jewelry, and the like, and then they resell it for them. Right, So they intentionally hire women that have escaped the sex trade trafficking. Do they hire them all? No. 
Could they hire more ladies right now? I think there's about 25 or 30 working in the company right now. Do they have enough cash on hand to hire five more, maybe 10 more? Yeah, they do, but they'd only be able to do that for probably a month, maybe two. And then what happens to those 25 or 30 ladies that had been able to escape the trafficking and begin to rebuild their lives? Well, they're back on the street too, no jobs. What's the likelihood of them getting sucked right back in, right? Pretty high. So this business works really hard to build their customer base, to build their product line. But why do they do it? So they can have more cash in the bank? So they make lots of money? Nope, not at all. They are driven to build their business so they can hire more people, more ladies that have escaped the sex trade, right? And over time, it's likely that as the business grows, not only are they going to help more and more women escape, but they're going to provide them with a life and a way of support after the escape. You know, everybody likes the drama of the escape. We help, you know, this many people get out of slavery or trafficking or whatever. But not many people like the hard, hard work that comes with rebuilding lives after they escape. So this business helps them with a job. It provides financial security so they don't get sucked back in. It provides funds for their children to go to school. Statistically, research shows that kids that go to school are much less likely to fall into the sex trafficking trade. They're much less likely to get sucked into sweatshops, right? And this business allows these moms to pay the school fees for their children. They also provide a transition to housing. They provide a transition to education. And maybe as important as anything, they provide community. So for these 25 or 30 ladies to be able to come to work consistently daily and to be able to hang out with other ladies, other women that have shared experiences that are working toward a similar goal of freedom, financial freedom, and providing for their kids— That is a tremendous sense of community that holds them together. And all these things are important pieces to sustainability. I can say this, that every successful impact organization or successful impact practitioner is asking the question, is this sustainable? Closely related is the idea of catalytic impact. One of my favorite examples of catalytic impact is the Memphis Child Advocacy Center. You've heard me mention it before. To give some context for the impact sector that we're talking about, there are thousands of reported child abuse cases and child sex abuse cases that occur each year all over the world. And in addition to the reported cases, we know that statistically in the United States, less than 20% of the actual abuse is reported. And I suspect it's a lot worse in other countries around the globe. But whether it's developed countries or developing countries, whether it's urban or suburban or rural, it is a true modern-day scourge. It's ridiculous, in my view, that in our day and time, we are still fighting this battle. And speaking of topics to bring back up later, how in the world does the sex trafficking trade, particularly with children, how does that occur without customers, right? We'll, We'll hopefully come back to that in some of our interviews later in some of our podcasts. But if you think about the Memphis Child Advocacy Center, they have a holistic, multi-tiered approach to helping abuse victims. So they help thousands of children and families every year. They continue to help more and more each year, and they expand their reach. And they provide not just rescuing, right, but counseling, support, advocacy, They have a multidisciplinary team of law enforcement officers, local authorities, child protective services, 
all of these different pieces to the puzzle to help not only rescue the children and protect them, but to prosecute the perpetrators and the child predators and to provide counseling and psychological support so that the children and their families can have a chance to heal. So part of what they do is getting in the weeds, into the details, into the one child at a time, one family at a time. But they also recognize that if they're not educating the public at large about child abuse and how to spot it, then they're not really going to be able to have huge impact, right? And so the other side of what they do is engaging with hundreds of schools and churches and businesses so that they can in turn educate thousands of people on recognizing and stopping child sex abuse. So they've built this great balance of seeking justice, providing care for current victims with faces, with names, with stories, while at the same time providing education and legislative changes at that 30,000-foot level that over the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years will hopefully significantly reduce and maybe even eradicate most child abuse. So in their strategy, they are having significant impact, and their strategy is driving catalytic impact, right? Catalytic impact being something that, in my view, is greater than the sum of its parts is how I look at it. There's another organization in Africa that I've been able to observe and be involved in. It's called Raps for Girls. And this organization started asking questions about the education of girls in Ethiopia. And I think we'd probably all agree that basic education is a really important key strategy to getting children out of poverty, as well as giving them a voice against those that would oppress them. But in a culture where the lives of children is not really emphasized, or I should say in a culture where structure in the lives of children is not really emphasized, when the government several years ago mandated school attendance for everyone, it wasn't really a question. So then, or it wasn't really very effective. So the question then became, how could we get more children attracted to schools, right? And so they try to implement better teaching methods and a classroom that's more conducive to learning, right? So it kept making progress. For example, instead of cramming 50 kids on a bunch of benches in a room that's designed to hold 20, maybe we have 20 kids in there, make it a little bit more comfortable, less distracting, those types of things. But finally, one of the questions that they started asking is, why are so many girls missing school, skipping school, and ultimately not continuing their education? And it turned out there was at least one piece that was relatively simple. Girls in rural areas were missing school because they had little or no access to basic feminine hygiene products. It's not that they didn't want to go or they hated the subject matter or that their teachers were terrible. It's that they simply either couldn't afford basic hygiene products or sometimes they simply just weren't available. And so as they continue to dive into this and do some research, it showed that missing an average of four school days per month was what was driving the girls to falling behind and ultimately dropping out of school. So this organization called RAPS, Washable, Reusable, Affordable Pads, came up with the idea of providing a basic feminine hygiene kit to girls in Ethiopia that would allow them to attend school. So if you think about impact, something that's fairly inexpensive. By the way, it also provides jobs for the ladies that make these products and they have intentionally tried to hire ladies in poverty that needed jobs. Right? But not only is it a pretty inexpensive thing to make, they can sell it in some environments 
and provide for sustainability, but they can also give it away through trusted nonprofits in these rural areas where there's so much poverty, there's no way they could afford it anyway. But think about the impact that they're having for all these thousands of girls and now giving them an opportunity to stay in school, to not be embarrassed, to reduce some of the illnesses that they had had to struggle with, to reduce some of the social stigma that came with not having the feminine hygiene products. It seems like such a simple idea, and yet it has a catalytic approach. So as you put together your personal impact strategy, make sure that it has sustainability as one of the core values, but also look for organizations that are having catalytic impact, that is, greater impact than the sum of its parts. Here's the deal. There's so much need in our world, and there's such limited resources. Why in the world, if you had two organizations, would you not want to support the one that's sustainable and catalytic and that is truly touching the area of impact that you want to touch? I'm going to wrap up this podcast right now. Next time, we're going to talk about doing no harm. In the meantime, remember the three things that we're hoping will come out of these podcasts. Number one, embrace your unique vision of impact. Number two, keep building your unique impact strategy. And number three, get off the bench. Get into the game. The world needs your impact. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Ed and Journey to Impact, visit edgillentine.com, E-D-G-I-L-L-E-N-T-I-N-E.com. Also, please share this podcast with someone that would benefit from it. We would really appreciate you spreading the word about this show and the message. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.